Hello all, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzar-Jamari, and for this special bonus episode, I wanted to talk about us. No, not you, the listener, and me. We are great. You guys love me. I love you. Please get in touch. You know our social media. No, I wanted to talk about the movie Us, which I saw very fortunately very recently, and I thought it was the best horror movie I've ever seen. And I'm going to tell you up front, number one, very much spoilers. If you do not want to listen to spoilers, I'm giving you to the count of three to get out of here. One, two, three. All right. If you're still here, I'm assuming that you're okay with spoilers. Number two, I don't want to talk about that. Ooh, look at the special imagery and blah, blah, blah. No, we're not here to talk about the cinematography and how genius the plot and directing was in that way if you want that stuff i actually can recommend a video that i'll leave in the show notes done by my brother kian who actually happens to have a youtube personality as maverick mario and he does an excellent job explaining the thematic and cinematic elements that make it such an amazing movie no what i want to talk to you all today about is how exceptional the just design of the overall plot was as a horror movie. So, little about me. I'm not actually very keen on horror movies. I know that as your personal brain trainer, I am fearless and capable and handsome and all the other things you assume me to be on the other side of this microphone. But I do not like scary movies at all. I just, I don't like them. I think jump scares are cheap and I don't feel like paying money to go see them. So, when my friends first invited me to come out of the gym and into the movie theater for this movie, I was very hesitant. But after many, many reassurances and a little bit of pulling me out of the car with brute force, they managed to get me into the theater and what unfolded was a beautiful movie where, and I'm going to give you one more chance, these are the spoilers, the main characters, it turns out, have doppelgangers. Basically, Everyone in the world has doppelgangers. So take that and let it have a moment to sink in. Somewhere in the world right now, you supposedly have a doppelganger living in an underground dwelling with the intention of being able to somehow control you. Everything you do throughout your day, the doppelganger in some way underground is tethered to you mimicking that behavior. And when this comes to a head is that in the movie, the characters are being attacked by their doppelgangers. And it turns out that these doppelgangers have finally decided to come out of hiding. And a series of events leads to this happening. And that series of events is gorgeous to me because it shows, it, it shows a certain... I can't tell if it's an architecture or just a beautiful coincidence of how the plot unfolds but it also introduces this idea that has always kind of made me well i'll be sorry younger viewers out there i'm gonna have to curse a little bit it pissed me off about a lot of a lot of horror movies and that is that the only reason we're watching the story is because this random group of people managed to make the right gypsy upset at the wrong time and now they're they're cursed this movie, it found a way to solve that problem by making horror 
a scalable solution. Basically, the way the doppelgangers in the movie work is everyone has one. So when they start coming above ground, it's not like just their families being affected. It turns out that literally everyone has a doppelganger. I have a doppelganger. You have a doppelganger. Your dog might have a doppelganger. I wish they had touched on the pets part. But the fact that they made these doppelgangers solved a problem that always drove me nuts about these movies, which is at the end of the day, they have created a scalable, personalized hell for everyone. And the way they set up the doppelgangers, it turns out that the doppelgangers have basically just been the subjects of a crazy experiment trying to control the above grounders. So just let me get some terminology straight here so that we don't spend the rest of this conversation you trying to figure out what the heck I'm talking about. When I refer to the above grounders, I'm referring to the original people. So uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character, Winston Duke's character, um, all of them, they are the above grounders. And then their doppelgangers are the ones in the underdark because they don't give it a special place. And I like D&D, so we're calling it the underdark and you can just live with that. So over the course of the movie, the doppelgangers come out of the underdark. They aren't even particularly interested in like, they're not killing their above grounder versions for any other reason than they, they are trying to take their place. Like they are, they are being challenged by the above grounders. And in a way the above grounders are, challenge uh, are challenging their ability to exist in the world because up until this point all the characters who lived in the underdark they basically had to live there because they were never supposed to exist they were half of a soul that was broken into so that people could try to control the other half the above grounder that is you or me interacting today and so what's genius about this is it creates these stakes where every single person you see killing someone else on the screen when you see the full context of the movie, you, they all become the hero and the villain in their own story. I, as the above grounder, am the hero in that I would like to maintain my great way of life. And the people in the Underdark are also the heroes because they want their fair shake. And the rest of the movie is just us trying to sort these two out. And it's gorgeous because, and now I will, this is the biggest spoiler of the movie. I have to start with it at this point because it informs a beautiful social just setup of how human development played a critical role in these characters and the overall plot of the movie. So it turns out at the end of the movie that the version of the main character, um, Adele Adelaide Wilson. Okay. I can read, uh, nicknamed red. Um, or whose uh, doppelganger's name is Red, is played by Lupita Nyong'o. And let me just say real fast, the fact that everyone had to play a doppelganger and themselves is great because it's just like this bizarre range of acting where almost everyone has a doppelganger version of themselves and when you're watching the movie, they're distinctly different people. So anyway, in the beginning of the movie, it turns out that young Adelaide Wilson is drawn to her underdark half. And in the beginning of the movie, we see this, they run into each other. And at the end of the movie is revealed that in that interaction, the underdark version of herself realized 
that this was her moment to strike. This was her moment to take out her above ground reversion and take her place so that she could be free of this hell. And there is a special thing that happens there. I, I don't remember exactly how old the characters are supposed to be at that moment, but I think they're about 10 years old or something, or they're, they're very young children, somewhere between very young and I would assume 10. And the fact that they are drawn to each other this pliably is kind of a commentary on developmental psychology. And I, I mean, that's the biggest thing here is like, there's just an underrunning theme of the mad science that went into psychology experiments that still happens today in some ways. Uh, but we can all think of the um, Zimbardo experiment that had to do with prisoners. We can all think of um, different psychology experiments that have to do with infants and testing childhood development. And that that psychology is what I want us to focus on in how it plays out in this movie. Because the way the characters are drawn to each other in the beginning of the movie implies that at any point, this could have happened to any pair of doppelgangers. But think about what is different about this, is that at the end of the movie, it's revealed that they swap places. So let's assume this played out with adults. If I ran into my above grounder version and I choked them out, I'd probably accidentally kill them. And then I'd either get sent to jail for murder or put in an insane asylum. Likewise, if I ran into them and they just ran away, there would now just be a version of me that in the movie, none of the doppelgangers can talk. None of the people in the Underdark know how to use human speech. And as a result, I would just be labeled an insane person and put in an insane asylum. So the fact that no one had ever really come across a doppelganger is probably not true. At some point, someone probably ran into one and they had to resolve that in probably one of these two ways. But the fact that they're children meant that their minds, the minds of these two, when they run into each other, are pliable enough that they are drawn to each other normally, but instead they're kind of being a submissive and dominant personality and that above grounders are dominant and they have this rich social interaction and the doppelgangers don't is it's completely broken up because right now they're both young. They're both still in developmental stages of their lives. And so the above grounder version, she can speak and understand at the very least English. The underground version can't. And that's why they have to send her to, that's why like you see there, she's in like um, this, I don't remember, I think it was like a therapy office or something where she's trying to get counseling and for whatever reason, she obviously is still learning to speak because she's never actually spoken before. And so it allows her to, over time, take on this life and become the above grounder she never was. Likewise, the above grounder that's now trapped in the Underdark is now trapped there with a tool that maybe none of them had ever had before. And that is real human language. This formed language that she understands and has structure and she can use to organize and coordinate all the doppelgangers. And it's, it's like this beautiful moment. The reason that anything happens in a horror movie always feels so arbitrary. But in this movie, it was methodically thought out that, well, this is the first person 
who was different because she wasn't a doppelganger. She was an above grounder. She chooses to do the hands across America chain because that was the last thing she saw when she was in the underdark. And the fact that she had this knowledge and this understanding, even though she was very young at the time when she was pushed into the underdark, gave her a huge advantage over whoever might have been there before. And I, I know that at some point in the movie, the red version of uh, Lupita Nyong'o says that she's probably, uh, at some point, the Underdark people were abandoned. But I don't believe that's the case. I think they were. The, the people responsible for taking care of them were probably murdered or overthrown as she organized this revolt, where she created this incredibly elaborate um, just plan, uh, plan to take over. And why on earth would she decide to go after all the above grounders at that moment in time when her, when the family is finally visiting the um, Adelaide Wilson's childhood home is because she's finally back. She's finally in arm's reach of red where she can finally come out of the underdark and enact her revenge. And so I think the two things I really just wanted to call out here were number one, language, how language plays a beautiful role in this movie in that you're constantly watching these characters try to struggle to communicate. And the underdark characters are able to communicate. And even though they never actually speak in a dialect, we can understand except for red because she used to be an above grounder. And similarly, we see the above grounders communicate, but they're, they're talking, but they're never really communicating. And so it's this great dichotomy. And then that language plays into the second part, which is the pliability of the human mind. We always see in horror movies that this person is now just the subject of rage or whatever. But in this way, um, Adelaide Wilson creates her own personal hell when she traps her above ground version, who was who now becomes red, in the Underdark. But the only reason she was able to craft this m- moment is because she is young. She Her mind is still pliable. It's not set in a pattern that maybe the more adult people would be set in. And this goes back to developmental psychology that a child's mind is more plastic and able to be shaped and form and accept new ideas and even plot new outcomes for itself than an adult might because it's not set in a specific pattern. So I hope you enjoyed this back and forth on the beauty of how these two basic elements related to developmental psychology and language play a gorgeous role in just how the movie unfolds. And I hope you will go see us. I want to be clear. This is in no way sponsored episode. This is just a fun bonus episode where I saw the movie and I wanted to get it out there. And I think Jordan Peele is a excellent director and writer. And Hey Jordan, if you're ever looking for a very powerful voice for some of your stuff, you know where I am. I, I have no reason not to believe he's not listening as one of my many, many listeners, but I do have one final question for us to all ponder. And it may be the most serious question the entire movie has to pose. Where did a little girl get those handcuffs? Anyway, I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Boozer Jamari, reminding you, from movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these, and more importantly, fans like you, that make it worth sweating the small stuff.